everyone, and welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits, the one-stop podcast that we hope uh, over time is going to be able to answer just about any question you possibly have about raising money out there in the nonprofit uh, sector. I'm joined uh, in the studio today. Uh, we're down in Orange County, California at the head offices of Winspire. I'm joined by their director of marketing, Ian Loth, and Renee Zhao of Donation Match. And today we have a special guest on the show that I thought was extremely interesting. And uh, this is an area of the industry that I personally haven't had a lot of experience with, but uh, I was surprised to find out that, uh, well, I don't know why we should tell people what the word is or not, but we uh, we learned a dirty word today, and that word is sponsorship. And we're going to find out why that is a dirty word in a few minutes from our guest, Parker Pike. So yes, I'm so glad Parker was able to make it to uh, share with all of us his definition of partnership uh, versus sponsorship. And really, I consider him the godfather of cause partnerships in San Diego. He's been so involved and is on the board of directors of the San Diego Nonprofit Association and has such a bird's eye view of everything nonprofit going on in San Diego. So um, I think even as his early experience, you'll listen to and find out how he learned everything he does about asking for sponsorship or partnership money. Um, You'll, you know, this will hopefully increase the success you have as well. And as many of you out there know, sponsorships are such a huge part of throwing any sort of event um, and soliciting, you know, whether it's companies, corporations, local businesses, uh, it's a challenge because you are up against hundreds, if not thousands of other nonprofits who are making those same, um, you know, solicitations or proposals, submitting them. Uh, so Parker here ha- really gives some good advice on how to break through the fray, how to get your proposals to the top of the heap and, um, you know, and, and really set yourself aside uh, from, you know, the rest of the pack. So lots of great information here today. Thrilled to have Parker Pike join us. And uh, with that, Danny, I'll let you take it away. Another great opportunity to learn and uh, well worth listening. Let's say hi to Parker. Today's special guest is a gentleman who has a lot of experience making dough. He did it for many, many years for families all over the place. He owned a very successful bakery with his wife, recently sold that, and now is full-time making dough for the nonprofit and charity sector. Parker Pike, how are you doing? Just wonderful. Thank you very much. And and part of my definition of uh, making dough is also developing relationships within the nonprofit as well as the corporate sector. So, uh, yeah, there's a a receiver and a donor, and it's a pretty exciting uh, business to be in. We're very excited to have you with us on the show today. Your area of specialty is sponsorships. Is that right? Correct. It's a, one of the areas that I found uh, was uh, lacking with a lot of organizations. I've been on the receiving end of thousands of proposals, uh, especially when I was with the, uh, the Union Tribune, received 1,700 proposals. We call them beg and ask requests, in quotes. And none of them were strategic. None of them listened to what we, as the Union Tribune, or as a donor, uh, actually were looking for. And I've just seen as such a mismatch in understanding of what companies need or donors need and what the, the nonprofits want to do. So, Parker, in the context of fundraising in the nonprofit sector, how important an ingredient is sponsorship in that recipe? Well, you know, it depends on the type of organization. Some use the, the fundraising and events 
as really the rocket fuel to provide the resources for them for the year. So I'm thinking about galas and other things like that, which can generate 50, 20, you know, 100,000, uh, quarter million dollars, depending on how big the, the organization is. Others look at sponsorship as kind of the fill in gaps uh, for, for programs, and typically it ends up being kind of a beg and ask. Uh, okay, we're, we're a really needy organization. We've got some great programs and we need some short-term funding. So is it a long-term partnership or short-term sponsorship? And uh, I've been teaching at not only UCSD, but also the University of San Diego. And in my experience, many companies, and Pepsi was one, that if you put the word sponsorship in your proposal, they knew it was short time, and you didn't know what you were doing. If you use partnership, that's long-term. Okay, I've got interest in that, and that means you've done your homework and you kind of understand uh, my needs. So it's kind of, a, kind of a simple designation. Is it a sponsorship, meaning short-term, or is it a partnership, meaning long-term? And to answer your question specifically, long-term partnerships, much more valued, much more respected from the donor sector. Do you have to be a large nonprofit or a large charity to go out and get support from sponsors? Actually, that's a great question, and, and no. Uh, because, you know, smaller organizations, their their mission typically is regionally focused, and you you'd like the San Diego Blood Bank or the American Cancer Society. Okay, good. It's region, region-wide, part of a great big mothership some, somewhere. But local organizations, maybe in the arts, maybe in the uh, environmental area, they're dealing with something regionally. So they could work with regional newspapers, uh, publications, uh, websites, uh, but it's local events uh, that they're doing. So they can be a superstar in their region, but following along some of the best practices that I'd like to recommend on how nonprofits go about their, uh, and again, I'd like to call this a partnership uh, uh, in the relationships that they're building with uh, local companies, being local retailers, or larger organizations. Well, let's talk about some of those best practices and imagine just for a second that I'm on uh, a committee, sponsorship committee, uh, with my nonprofit. I really have never done this before, but I volunteered to go out and help with sponsorships. Uh, where would I begin? Oh, boy. Well, first of all, we'd like to um, W as um, uh, Saint uh, Danny. So it, it's a wonderful calling, uh, if you will. And I've been with a lot of boards, and what they say is, okay, development person, I go out and send uh, letters to uh, big companies in San Diego, and because we're a nonprofit, uh, they'll, they'll give us money. So they totally don't understand the whole give-get uh, cycle. Uh, as a suggestion, I would look inward. What are your strengths in, in, in resources? So I've actually created um, grids and programs to help organizations with those first steps. In other words, the first step is understand yourself. What can you give a company, if we're talking about companies, uh, who want recognition? So this is one thing I've learned specifically is that you know donors want, especially companies, because they've got employees and they've got their own customers and vendors, uh, et cetera, to impress that they're very much community-oriented, and all the research is directing towards whether it's millennials or others, will recognize and want to support and patronize companies that may you know, think local, uh, are supporting the community. So the nonprofit sector is really, really good news. So first step, look inward. Uh, your website, what kind of data do you have from the website? Do you know how many people visit 
uh, your website. What about events? How many people attend? And it doesn't have to be in the thousands of people. Maybe it's dozens uh, to start out regularly. What kind of signage, what kind of demonstration of products or services or recognition? Or maybe it's just networking. But look at those resources and try and add numbers to them. In other words, uh, it's 25 people at an event. It's 100 people. It's uh, 1,000 people maybe every month or every year that go on to your website. But start building that story that you are important in that local community and that we're uh, reaching out. I call these touch points. So what are the touch points that you have? And there's actually grids and things like that that I encourage people to try and fill out. So actually, as a first step, evaluate, audit yourself. If you don't have anything to offer, well, then talk to companies where there's a relationship, talk to, you know, in quotes, rich people. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> share your mission, but don't develop a partnership with them. Just just beg for money. And so, again, we're talking two total different strategies. One is a corporate relationship, a corporate partnership. We're actually adding value. The other is just strict philanthropy. And there's nothing wrong with short-term and checkbook philanthropy because that's filling a need also. But it's two different strategies. Parker, you're talking about these grids. Uh, are, are they actual uh, PDFs or documents that will be available to our listeners after the podcast? Ab- absolutely. And uh, they're totally available. We provide them at the uh, – I developed several years ago a partnership with the American Marketing Association. Uh, once a year, uh, we share this with the – uh, an event called the Cause Partner on a Cause Conference, which is the largest partnership conference on the West Coast, and it's all available uh, to uh, to attendees. We can put it on your website. They're either in Word documents or, or PDFs. They're meant to be year- used. They're free. It's not trademarked. It's just uh, there uh, to, to help organizations uh, think in a little different manner. Yes, we'll have them in our show notes. Thank you. All right. Oh, so, so that's a good place to start then if if I'm a, a nonprofit and I'm charged with the task of going out soliciting sponsorships then is to take these documents and start working through this grid. Um, let's talk for a second about a phrase that we hear bantered around and that's return on investment, your ROI. And what are companies seeking in terms of their ROI or return on investment when they agree to uh, give you money? Um, good uh, view with regard to this. The whole ROI uh, concept is pretty much new for nonprofits. Again, used to just asking for philanthropic dollars, uh, not really expensive that the company is going to be looking for an, an ROI, return on investment, or it could be a return on involvement, uh, another way of looking at ROI, uh, or Rocky, return on community investment, ROCI. Uh, I'll never forget talking with some of the leaders of Union Bank in San Diego. And one, from a, just from a long story to a short story, if, they, if nonprofits didn't provide ROI or return on investment, they didn't even look at the proposal or they didn't take it seriously. And they're not looking for money. They're looking for outcomes. So it's not just how many kids attended class, but how many graduated. Hmm. So it's really what was the outcome of the, you know, say the money that was provided to a boys and girls club or the money that was provided to uh, some type of an event. Uh, I've seen others at AFT meetings, and this is a Wells Fargo executive 
uh, mentioning that they're cutting back on galas and golf tournaments because the money goes to the golf course or to a hotel. Mm-hmm. And at one point, and I think it was Union Bank said that they donated a quarter of a million dollars. Well, actually, it was part of $4 million that went to the San Diego County, but a quarter of a million actually went to golf courses and hotels, and they said that's not strategic, and it's not the best use of their money. So the whole change in thinking to uh, return on uh, investment, one, because the person in charge of the uh, philanthropic dollars has a boss. The boss has pressure. So we could give to 10, 20, 30, or five different nonprofit organizations, but what are we going to get back from them? So it's an interesting question from what are we you know, getting back in one way that that uh, philanthropic or community relations director can, in quotes, prove to his or her boss that, well, you know, take a look at this. Here's a nonprofit that, you know, it's involving us in their um, advertising in the business journal. They've, they've branded us on a website. They've provided a whole special uh, array of uh, on-site recognition for us that's going to reach X number of uh, people. Uh, that we're included in their social media. Uh, we have the ability and the rights to actually hand out information or sample uh, letter, uh, you know, it's a product uh, like uh, uh, Kind Bars uh, or different types of juices and things like that. They will, they have heavy strategies that want to uh, do do sampling. So here's a way that through an event which organizes people in similar demographics. So if they match, here's a wonderful way that they can actually get the, the hands-on demonstration of products or sampling of services, which we know after just you know, looking at Costco, all the money that's spent sampling products. So a nonprofit can actually be in that business. And there's there's value. There's money that companies pay to have the rights to reach very specific audiences. So it's all good news. Parker, can you touch upon some of uh, the successes? Uh, what companies you've talked to have considered success and the kinds of outcomes that they may expect um, to be able to say, yes, we wanted to uh, sponsor or partner with this organization again next year? Uh, sure. Let me give you two quick uh, examples. One with uh, Sanu Gas and Electric. Many years ago with the leadership of Molly Cartmill, they actually hired an advertising agency to put a value on the various touch points. So if they were in a large city or a smaller city, this is you know under the, the umbrella organization of uh, Sempra, they actually put a value on those nonprofits. But it was you know, and that's how they were a part of the selection process. So how many eyeballs were actually reached by knowing that SDG&E was sponsoring something from the Heart Association, Lung Association, or for an event or uh, something like that? There's a uh, program that we did with uh, the city of San Diego. So, you know, not necessarily nonprofit, but we developed the outreach program for December nights, which before used to be called Christmas on the Prado. And we developed a series of uh, partnership programs that actually monetized uh, the recognition given to, and it was Union Bank and SDG&E and Wells Fargo. There were a wide variety of big uh, supermarket retailer routes was involved because they wanted recognition. So we branded those organizations with the email sent to government officials with all the recognition with signage at libraries and then all the on-site opportunities that were uh, developed. So it's you know, thinking from the perspective of the company, what would make them happy realizing that 
that nonprofit or that community relations person has a boss, and that boss has pressure from the very top looking at ROI. So what is the return on investment or the return on community support? And by monetizing this, it's just um, recognition, and honestly, it's just showing them, listening to what they're looking for out of respect to help them make the decision uh, easier. I'll never forget a time I was a marketing director for the Birch Aquarium when it first opened up. We had a terrific education program, and we reached about 120,000 kids uh, every, uh, every summer. Uh, over, they were in summer camps uh, for, for five days. And so in our proposal to the Mazzarini Foundation and Wells Fargo, uh, we basically we talked about the kids and the, the reach, how many, you know, and the kids have parents and all this. When we lost the $50,000 that Wells Fargo was considering to a camp that was developed by the city of San Diego that reached 150,000 kids one time. It was a program in uh, in Ocean Beach. Uh, so they actually looked at it from a you know dollars and cents and reach standpoint, and we lost the fifty thousand dollars because we didn't monetize it. So I had one hundred twenty five thousand five times. So that's what six hundred fifty or six hundred twenty five thousand impressions, if you will. But Wells Fargo was you know this is the decision was made out of Los Angeles, so the people here liked it. Uh, that well, you know, it's not enough eyeballs. Wow, interesting. Another so and, and yet and yet another lesson learned. Yep, there, there you go, and and that's part of why I'm so uh, passionate about helping nonprofits developing the true story. Because I've been beat up as we've you know submitted hundreds of proposals. Some win, some don't. But what are the best practices of? companies and what they're looking for and, and nonprofits. And that's why, uh, in fact, I actually did some research, uh, partnered with AFP in San Diego and the American Marketing Association. We asked 20 executives, uh, what would you prefer? And this is also in the, uh, uh, the email to you so you can post this. So we've got two different proposals standing side by side. And one basically says, okay, you'll get recognition uh, in our messages online and the events program and on the events banner and on our website for one month and direct mailing to members. But then the next proposal standing right next to it monetizes or talks about the reach that the ad in the business journal reaches 45,000 readers. Uh, the color message in the event program reaches 3,000 attendees. Our website goes to 5,000 people a month. Uh, the promotion flyer goes to 1,500 members. And, whoa, the, the response to that, you know, with these two proposals laying side by side, it was 90% wanted to know more specifically what the nonprofit was doing. And then we also attached a value to that, just using normal uh, advertising value. This, and that information can be, you know, using conservative estimates. If it's the business journal or regular media, it's just using advertising uh, equivalency. Or if it's you know, using Google AdWords or others, what's a, what's, what's a view uh, on a website worth? And we made some very conservative estimates. And in this uh, hypothetical proposal, it actually demonstrated how to do an ROI. So it was the value that was calculated. And then here's the investment from the corporate donor, you know, $2,000, but the ROI 
uh, was almost three to one because the value in the document that you know, your listeners can actually see was over $6,000. So we're talking ROI. It can be real, real specific. It doesn't have to be general and vague. Great, great advice. So, yeah, so, and I know a lot of our listeners here, and um, uh, Piker, this is, uh, or Parker, this is Ian Loth from Winspire here talking. Um, a lot of oh, our man. listeners might be from, you know, smaller organizations, um, uh, you know, who might have, you know, grandiose visions of, you know, reaching out to these larger corporations. Uh, you know, what are some of the, and I, I love your worksheet here, we were looking at it uh, in terms of like number of views and, and things like that, but, you know, what would their, what would your first uh, step be that you recommend for these um, small organizations to start calculating that ROI uh, in their pres you know, proposals to these potential partners? Well, again, this is one of many, um, say, sponsorship or partnership strategies to reach out. And some organizations simply are not ready. And so continue doing you know, what you're doing, whether it's working with uh, donors or smaller organizations, so it may not be, you know, ready for Qualcomm or SDG&E, but maybe it's that local branch. I know some, like Trader Joe's and other organizations, the local manager has a discretionary fund. So if it's a smaller organization, they don't need millions of dollars, but maybe $500 would really help, you know, develop a, a program. Uh, somebody like a Trader Joe has vendors and suppliers. Uh, another program I did with the Birch Aquarium uh, was developing a uh, ed uh, environmental education program. So they gave me no advertising budget. So what we created was something that we did best, and that was we trained. Uh, we have a relationship with every fifth grade and fourth grade in San Diego with thousands of people coming on uh, on site. So I thought, well, let's let's brand it. Let's call it something. So a suggestion for a smaller organization: what you're doing, put a name on it. You know own it, and name it. So we created the largest environmental education program in San Diego. And SDG&E and Wells Fargo and, and Nordstrom uh, jumped on this because they wanted to look good in the community. So to my original comment, with Nordstrom, they had vendors. What the Birch Aquarium had was a beautiful facility. And we in, so Nordstrom invited their shoe vendors to attend a luncheon on, on site at Scripps at the Birch Aquarium and Nordstrom basically twisted their arm in a way that they really liked because what they gave them this front-end display at Nordstrom. Normally, a, a vendor at Nordstrom will get three days front-end display. They gave them 14 days. And when we were asked for $20,000, they all said yes because they knew that they could make it up in sales. Right. So sometimes it may not be the exact vendor or the target that you're reaching out to but it could be one of their suppliers. It could be one of their friends. It could be somebody that they have a relationship to. So long story short, Nordstrom didn't give us any money. They got the benefit, uh, and they also got the additional sales with their uh, shoe vendors, and the shoe vendors also got a little bit of recognition. Excellent. So, so again, thinking of this as two different strategies for a smaller organization to you know keep focused on you know, the, the goal line, if you've got a program, name it something or call it an initiative, and it can be just in a local community. So it could be just in uh, you know, San Marcos or it could be just in El Cajon, but, but name it. And maybe it's the, the, the largest um, uh, animal support or environmental program in La Mesa history. 
well, okay, that, at least that's going to start naming, getting some attention. Plus, it will force the nonprofit to actually look at the competition. And, and how do they rank? Also realizing that companies are getting proposals from hundreds, maybe thousands, depending on how, how big they are, of other nonprofits. What these corporate leaders told me is that maybe one out of 20 or one out of 25 proposals will even make any attempt of doing an ROI, which automatically, even if it's not that, in, in quote, sophisticated, would separate an average and ordinary proposal into the top 5%. Wow, that is simply honoring and recognizing what the, what the company is looking for. Even with basic numbers, these numbers don't have to be huge. But it's respect for the company and helping them who will have to hand it off to maybe somebody here in Los Angeles, the, you know, the district director, uh, to approve the uh, philanthropic uh, gift or support. That's so it's great. a whole different way of looking at it. And it's also looking at different doors and windows to approach a corporate entity versus from the philanthropic or from the nonprofit side or community relations side. These, I've seen these proposals go to the advertising department because you're thinking now from a branding standpoint on how we can help a company with the local awareness. That's a whole different way of looking at things. Very, very interesting. That's some great, great little tidbits there that you shared. Um, and I was wondering if maybe um, you could, if you could speak a little bit to, um, you know, underwriting. Do, do does that ever come into play? Of like, you know, exactly what these sponsors are going to be paying for? Does that impact the proposal at all? If uh, say, you know, you ask them to underwrite parts of the venue or the auction items or something specific that will maybe get them exposure, um, is, does that ever affect uh, the proposals that you see? Sure. So think of it as um, decorating a Christmas tree. So the nonprofit and the tree is basically the foundation, or the event is the foundation. And then the ornaments are all the bells and whistles and all the things for recognition. So it may be in auction, but with an auction, there's signage. There's also listing on emails. Uh, maybe there's something from a PA system that people are talking about that. To put a number to it. So there's 125 people at the event, but there's 500 people on an email database. So they're all seeing that uh, awareness building uh, component. So the bulbs and the ornaments on the Christmas tree keep getting uh, bigger and bigger. Very good. Parker, I've got a question. Once again, back to the premise that I'm on a sponsorship committee on a nonprofit. I'm new to this. I'm going out and uh, making a proposal or presenting a proposal. Uh, is it ever acceptable or is it advisable to ask for a multi-year deal? You talk about partnerships, and to me, partnership infers long-term relationship. Is it okay to ask and be bold right out of the box and ask for a long-term deal? Actually, what you've hit on is out of respect for the company. Uh, organizations are so sick of nonprofits coming every two or three or four months for the same old darn thing. It's something small. It's kind of insignificant. Then they want, you know, $500 or $2,000. It's really teaching dependence. It really doesn't help them that much. But thinking strategically, coming to them with a long-term program, at least one year or a multi-year uh, organization. And this is part of doing the research too. Some companies will not give to multi-year, but out of respect, they like long-term or one-year programs. 
So it's back to doing the homework. What does that uh, organization want? What are they they looking for? Uh, Also, as an example, not only, you know, thinking long-term because that helps the organization cut down on all the paperwork and all the proposals coming to them or do it, you know, once a year rather than four times a year, but also to partner with somebody else that may be in a, a allied uh, a sector, uh, could be a partner within uh, a, a similar mission. Uh, for example, sdg their maximum donation is $25,000 if you come individually. But if you come with a partner, the dollars go up to $50,000. More organizations are doing this. They're encouraging collaboration. So then that nonprofit is actually doing the work of okay, making sure, that, okay, this makes sense or this doesn't make sense, but let's go together to a larger organization and demonstrate that collaboration. So from a mega trend, you know, 5,000 foot view where philanthropy is going uh, with events or partnership sponsorship, collaboration and partnership is just smart for a nonprofit uh, to do. It doesn't have to be a $25,000 ask. It can you know, be a $2,000 ask. Uh, but you've got two different organizations. There could be a $5,000 ask, and the money would be split 50-50. Terrific. So can but you share back to honoring what the, uh, the company or the donor is looking for and showing the, the collaboration, plus the collaboration suddenly adds more reach and a better ROI. So instead of reaching, you know, making this up 1,000 people, you're now reaching 2,000 people because of your collaboration partner. So can you so give us an that. example or could you give us an example or a real life story of how this collaboration uh, works? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm actually working with the American Marketing Association of the uh, cost conference uh, for next year. And one of the things that we would do is we would look, so we're a professional association, nonprofit, and approaching SDG&E and Mission Federal and big banks and things like this. And we can go in there simply as just the American Marketing Association. We've got, you know, 1,500 people on our uh, database. But if we approach PRSA, Public Relations Society of America, uh, Direct Marketing Association, they have 1,000 people on their database. PRSA has 1,800 people on their database. So suddenly our database of 1,500 suddenly grows uh, to like 4,500 Eyeballs that could potentially recognize SDG&E or Mission Federal or Wells Fargo with the um, eyeball popping statistics showing the, the ROI. So here's two nonprofits joining together, all focused on developing uh, and focused on one event. So the event puts on stage the best people from PRSA, the public relations team, or the Direct Marketing Association. So they get not only recognition at the event, but then they're also sending out emails to all of their members. And then part of the email is recognizing Mission Federal, SDG&E, Wells Fargo. Great. What do you so see? So it's just a whole different way of thinking about it rather than you know, in the old days you know, for uh, AMA, because I started this about 19 years ago. We just, you know, you know, had our little database, and we went to, you know, companies, and we got a thousand dollars or you know, sponsored this or thousand dollars for doing this. But now it's up to seven thousand, eight thousand dollars. But we're showing the collective power of the collaboration, and it's much stronger reach, making the event much more important, not only to the community because we've got 
Gosh, over the years, we've trained probably 3,000 people, but we've also raised the state significantly from an awareness and branding standpoint for the uh, partners and sponsors of the event. One of the big problems I hear about out there is that sponsors give the money, they, they give the support, and never hear anything in terms of follow-up. How big a problem is this, and how do we avoid that? Big problem, especially if you want to go go back to the well uh, the next year. Part of the beauty, and if uh, your listeners look at the proposal one and proposal two, that's the PDF document that will be on your uh, on your your files on our show notes. This creates a a built-in way of fulfillment. So if we said we're going to reach, you know, we've got three thousand uh, people viewing our uh, website during the course of the month. Well, by providing the uh, analytics that are part of the website, oh my gosh, here's, you know, we not only reached 2,000 because of the event, we got, you know, 4,200 people looking at it, but it demonstrates credibility and that you understand the, you know, the uh, responsibility to say thank you. So to answer your question, it's really, really important. And folks have a memory. So when I was at the Union Tribune, uh, very, <laughs> we gave a lot of money and space in the Union Tribune, and very few have ever said thank you. Well, I remembered that. So you want to go to the well next year? Mm, not so easy. Great. That's gold. And also through, um, we're getting also, some good uh, sound bites here. Social... Pardon? I said we're getting, you're giving us some good sound bites. Oh, good. Just yeah, let me know what to keep saying. Yeah. Is there um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Ian, Ian Loth here. So do you, uh, Parker, have you seen any kind of creative ways of um, making a proposal? I mean, delivering a proposal? Is there... Um, how fancy do how they fancy, have to be? Yeah, can you, is it, do you recommend trying to deliver it in person or making a sort of connection, faxing it, sending it, you know, kind of the simple uh, pro, you know, act of submitting a proposal? Is there any advice that you have there? Uh, yes, with regard to submitting a proposal... Hopefully, the proposal is developed many weeks or months in advance, and it's delivered to the person that hopefully you've had a relationship with or, or a contact. If it's simply a blind proposal and submitted online, you know it's going to receive very minimal uh, recognition and, and support. But the closer the proposal is to the actual DNA of that organization, uh, the better. Many organizations require an employee to be somehow connected. It could be as a volunteer, could be on a board, could be as uh, just simply they've attended some events, but there's some, some connection. And that's back to the nonprofit's ability to create some kind of a CRM, you know, customer relationship management system and email list so that the entry point may not be just that one that's on their website and you'll know, submit it online and then you know along with you know several thousand others. But if somebody in that organization can hand carry it to the right person and say, hey, I attended this event and it's really not that good. And not that good. And I think we should support something like that. Now you've got an inside track. So it's not as simple as just all right, you know, com- complying with the, the the website because you know it, you know in, in my experience an average and ordinary proposal gets an average and ordinary response, which is no. So how can you develop it in advance, the relationship, and it's, it could start months or even years in advance. So it's kind of like farming. 
you know, the more that we invest in the fertilizer and developing good soil, uh, it's going to reap additional things uh, down down the road. Most, especially new executive directors and development folks, or the responding to the board, uh, have very short-term uh, goals. They're under pressure to you know save the organization or generate X amount of dollars on the short term, and that's where checkbook philanthropy comes in and in the begging and the asking. And sometimes that works, but you know, depending on the, the relationship or the contact that you've got with that person. But if we're looking for long term, that's what companies respect. In, in long term branding, there's some kind of an ROI, and there's an understanding of the nonprofit understands and respects what the company is looking for. As a fundraising auctioneer, I always advise my clients to stop, and my clients being nonprofit organizations, my first bit of advice to them is stop thinking like a charity, start thinking like a business. And a part of... Oh, uh, perfect. Yeah, part, part of business like is... like a business, Ab- absolutely. Yeah, just long-term strategy, long-term relationships, and uh, understanding that, that you've got to make these investments. Oh, and I like the word investment rather than philanthropy. Because just like sponsorship means short-term, partnership means long-term. And if you're following that different strategic path, and it's not saying that these have to happen independently. They can you know, be both and. So that we've got a short-term program for sponsorships. We also have long-term goals for building the relationships for a partnership down the road. Maybe you bring in one or two other partners that are in the same general space, and out of respect for the company, that's just going to raise the whole level of authenticity and respect for the uh, for the nonprofit, Terrific. for both big and small organizations. So, Parker, you've talked about all these great things that will enhance uh, your chances for getting support. Have you seen any specific red flags or been told about things that? Unfortunately, nonprofits have, you know, done wrong or fallen short of that. Um, they should really keep an eye out for when they're applying. Oh, interesting! You'd ask that. I was in a um, basically a donation meeting with social venture partners just a few weeks ago, and looking at proposals. And here we've got a hundred thousand dollars to give away to a couple of different organizations, and so there's you know behind the doors uh, discussions about you know the good and the bad and the ugly. And these things come up uh, again, like, well, gosh, you know, we gave some money to them before, and there's not even any contact, and there's you know, no thank you notes or, or anything, or there's no follow up, a regular follow up, showing how we actually use the money, and then the outcome that. So it's not just you know outputs, but it's the outcome of that. Uh, it's so that that follow up, uh, or they're. And this is the big complaint that larger organizations, be it SDG&E or Wells Fargo, that they're not reading our guidelines. They're simply wasting their time. We don't give money. I'm making this up. Actually, no, it's real. Uh, the scholarship. So we don't give individual money to people. They give it to organizations. So the closer the mission match is to what the nonprofit has and the goals or the guidelines for the company the better your chances. But so many proposals come in that are totally off the wall and have nothing to do with the corporate DNA and what their philanthropic dollars go for. And again, people have memories. They could be working for another company two years down the road and remember the inefficiency and just the you know, silliness of what this nonprofit did. 
So the best place I would imagine for nonprofits to gain some of this intelligence on the companies they're planning to approach is probably starting with the company's website. Would that be right? Start with with that, correct, and then are there any events that they are involved uh, involved with, trying to meet some of the people that are there? I know San Diego Grantmakers, the Nonprofit Association, the Cause Conference, USD has a governance conference. Uh, there are corporate people that are there. There are corporate presenters. Uh, there's also work, uh, nonprofit management solutions. There's lots of different organizations that bring uh, if you will, the givers and receivers together, but participate. I mean, again, it's like farming, and it, it's not easy. Uh, but if you know, being out there and developing those relationships, it's also a lot of fun because there's you know great individuals from from both sides that are there, and just being open to those uh, new uh, new ideas and expanding one's own network. Can you share with us any other go-to resources for people that want to drill a little deeper here into the world of uh, sponsorship and partnership? I know we're going to have show notes attached to this podcast here. Uh, anything else you might recommend? Uh, yes, I would go to or just do a Google search for the cause marketing forum. It's a, uh, usually held in Chicago, and they have the best of the best in the country. So this is Disney and Nike. So if you Google Cause Marketing Forum, it's a program that actually has the national awards for cause marketing. So it's a way to learn about best practices. Uh, It's pretty expensive to attend, but it started uh, four years after uh, our local San Diego AMA and I started the Cause Marketing Conference. And their founder, David Hasico, called me and you know, tried to brainstorm on what's you know, the do's and the don'ts and some of the key topics which we provided. But he took this concept to a whole national level. Also, if you look up sponsorship.com, they're the ones that actually do the valuation for big, well, for cities, for events, uh, for stadiums. So in Yankee Stadiums or Pac Bell Park or, or Qualcomm Stadium are looking for additional uh, sponsors and programs. Here's a, here's a professional organization that puts a value uh, on these. Uh, for example, I was on the marketing committee for the city when it was called uh, the Santa Convention Visitors Bureau. We hired IEG, which is Events International out of Chicago. They put a value on all the touch points of the San Diego Convention and Visitors Bureau and all the trade shows, the websites, all the events that, that we handled, and it cost us $50,000 to put a value on all these touch points. But when you're going up against American Express and American Airlines, here's some credibility when they put a value of $4.5 million on our touch points, and we could go in asking for you know, lots of dollars with a lot of zeros behind it. There was some va- value and there was some credibility because a third party was actually looking at that. Wow. So as a, a starting point, so, you know, some big organizations, but that, in fact, that experience with the Convention and Visitors Bureau and that taught me about the value actually understanding the advertising equivalency, what companies will pay for, you know, opened my eyes a lot. And that's why I started doing some research with the uh, AFA and AMA here in San Diego and talking to those 20 corporate executives and to put a value on those touch points that, that nonprofits have. And we, at some point, we'd like to do that research again. 
Well, Parker, local information. Well, Parker, we've got to thank you very, very much. You've shed an awful lot of light on what often is a dark, scary, and murky area uh, for a lot of nonprofits. They just don't have the awareness that uh, sponsorship and partnerships are available out there. They don't have the understanding that these companies do want to give, and there are ways to get through to these companies and have an impact. And uh, you've shared some real gold with us here on today's podcast. So we thank you very, very much for joining us. Oh, and- Glad to help, and I'm glad you recognize one of the great value that nonprofits are so desperately needed by companies to help tell their community support story. And there are certain best practices and ways to do this to get to the top of the stack. But the, but the bad news is companies get thousands, depending on the size, hundreds or thousands of requests and proposals. And from a, you know, a smaller nonprofit, maybe dealing with a you know, more local organization, uh, the the stack of requests could be a little bit smaller, but there are definitely some ways to get to the top of that uh, stack for great consideration. Well, I think we've inspired a lot of our listeners to uh, push aside yeah. their push aside their fears, not be afraid to get out there and ask, ask, ask. And I think what you've illuminated <laughs> yeah, for us today is that there's a right way and a wrong way to ask. And uh, for that, we thank you very much for sharing your expertise and knowledge with us. Great, and hope they can uh, look at these uh, draft proposals and templates. They're basically to be filled in and used as thought starters. Parker Pike, thanks for joining us. Very, very welcome. This has been another episode of Events with Benefits. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please, please rate us wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to share this with anyone you think it can help. You can find more information about our guest and resources in the show notes at www.eventswithbenefits.com. And please stay tuned for more episodes coming up very, very soon. Thanks all, and we look forward to seeing you next time.